I know the sermon title says something about the obedient Jesus. We're not going to talk about that today. We will talk about Jesus, just not the obedient one. We're going to talk about the joyful Jesus, because it's still Christmas time, and we're going to talk about joy, right? That's what I like to talk about. As I said earlier, my name's Garrett. I'm the pastor over at Christ Community Lutheran Church, a new church plant happening out in Leesburg, uh, Virginia. And so we moved, my wife and I and our children moved down here this past uh, summer, uh, we're familiar with this area. I used to do my vicarage over at Living Savior. That's right. Over in Fairfax. That was some years ago. Um, and now we're back uh, here after serving a congregation up in Baltimore for the last few years. So, what brings you joy? We're going to talk about joy for a few minutes today. For me, some of the things that bring me joy, I have two daughters, ages three and six. So when they're sleeping and quiet, <laughs> joy. Although when they're happy, right, when they just want to cuddle and give me a little kiss on the cheek, which is like a very rare occurrence these days, joy. Right? It just melts my heart, right? Now, the yelling, the screaming part, right, that just enrages my heart, but the lack of joy in those moments. But joy, right, from a child. Joy from my wife when she just smiles at me across the room as she's dealing with the yelling and screaming kids and I'm just away doing something else, right? My wife gives me joy. This time of year, Christmas gives me joy. I love the Christmas season, especially Christmas cookies. My belt does not think of it as joy, but I do. I just spent the last week on vacation. We got back into town late Friday night, and my mother-in-law sent me a giant box of cookies in a bag full of homemade caramel corn. Joy is on the couch this weekend. Because I don't have to go to work tomorrow or Tuesday, right? It's just awesome. What brings you joy? What is it that gives you joy? Maybe it's the delight on your child's face as they open their Christmas presents, right? Maybe it's joy as family and friends are gathered around the table for a wonderful dinner. Maybe it's joy when all of those family and friends leave your house and you could put it back in order the way it was supposed to be, right? Joy for me was Friday night being able to sleep in my own bed again. That was joy. See, joy, joy is so much more than, right, just these temporary things like cookies or a comfortable bed. Joy is more than just a smile on your face. It's more than just turn that frown upside down. Joy is life-changing. Joy is one of those things that when you receive it, you can't help but tell everybody around you about it. Joy is one of those biblical characters that gets talked about sort of from the very beginning to the very end of Scripture. Joy occurs in various and unique ways. It's a bunch of different words, and we just sort of translate it down to those three letters, joy. But think about the very beginning, creation occurs, right? God creates creation, and on day seven, what does he do? He rests, right? He looks over all of creation, and he delights in it. 
Similar word. Uh, one of the words we would translate as joy is he takes joy in it, right? He delights in his creation. The Psalms and prophets will talk about how uh, we take joy in children. We take joy in our spouse. Joy is like a perfume rising to God because it forces us to look up. It's like our prayers going before God. Joy can be found in creation. It can be found in family and friends. It can be found in basic senses. Right? Paul will go on, and later, uh, after the Gospels, right, Paul will talk about joy, longing to be with family, longing to be in a different location, longing to be with God. Paul will even talk about joy in hardships and joy in struggles. Joy is a biblical character, and so there are two questions that we should ask when dealing with joy. What is the source of joy? And how does it change my life? Because every time we see joy pop up throughout Scripture, that's what it does. It has a source, and it changes everybody around them. So if you have your Bible, page 1090, Luke chapter 2, we're actually going to go to the first half of Luke chapter 2, and then we'll get into uh, our gospel reading for today. Where's the first time we see the word joy pop up in Luke chapter 2? Oh, we all know this quote. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Thank you. Y'all could speak, right? Yeah, awesome. Good tidings of great joy, good news of great joy. That will be for all people, right? Who's speaking this? Angels. To who? Shepherds. Thank you. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you softball questions, I promise. We'll get harder as we go on. Um, the angels speak to the shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people, right? Friends, you was born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So, what is the source of joy here? We're going to talk about sources first. What's the source of joy? Yeah, it's the news, right? Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, right? That's modifying the news there. The news is what is joy. And this news, right, is that a Savior had been born for all people. Skip ahead to our gospel reading today in the second half of Luke chapter 2. Our first character we come across, Simeon. Is he a young person or a not-so-young person? Not so young. Yeah, I've served in congregations before. I know what words to use and not use. <laughs> Simeon is not so young, and he had been promised by God that what, what would occur in his life? He would see the Savior before what? Before he died. So he comes into the temple that day, and who is there? Jesus, all right? His Savior. And Simeon knows this, right? Because who is upon him? The Holy Spirit. But Pentecost hadn't occurred yet. We'll get into that. Ask your pastors when they come back next week how that occurs. Um, <laughs> I won't see them for weeks. They can't yell at me. Um, <laughs> so Simeon is there. The Holy Spirit is upon him and leads him to his Savior. And so the source of joy for him is what? Seeing Jesus. Now, some people will interpret it as the source of joy is finally, I can die. Now, I'm not kidding. There are people who will make that argument. 
Finally, I can die. I've seen my Savior. I'm old. I'm tired. I'm ready to go. But that's not, that's not what occurs here, right? What's his response? Right? His response is joy. His response is, hallelujah, it finally happened. Thanks be to God. This is awesome. And I'm going to tell everybody about it. Right? And then our third character, Anna. How old was she when she got married, culturally, if we had to make a guess? Fifteen. How old was she when her husband died? Twenty-one, twenty-two, right? Seven years. Twenty-two. And how old is she now? Eighty-four. Sixty-two years, roughly, of living as a widow, waiting in the temple, day and night, fasting and prayer for the overwhelming majority of her life, waiting to see her Savior. And that day, who does she see? Jesus. She finally sees her Savior. You see, that's the good news that the angels announced that early morning, right? That good news of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. The Savior had come, and he was the source of joy. Simeon and Anna realize this, right? And their hearts are filled with love and hope and a message so wonderful that it fills the temple. They can do nothing but rejoice in their Savior. And our faith and our hope is in Christ's life and his love for us. And that fills us with heavenly joy. So how many of you today are joyful? Always. Yeah, that's right. Put your hands back down. Sorry, should have added that caveat. No one in here is joyful all the time. In fact, when I meet that person who's joyful all the time, what do I want to do? Throw my shoe at him. Like, can you stop smiling? Like, it's 6.30 in the morning. Like, calm down, right? Too often our lives are robbed of joy. Too often our lives are not joy-filled, even though we have Christ dwelling within us, right? Because we're still in this cold, dark world. We're still in a world that hasn't been fully, has not fully realized that their Savior has been born for them. You see, often we seek joy not in our Savior, but in temporary things that give us happiness, much like kids on December 26th, we forget all that was given to us on Christmas Day. And we want more. Or we want something different. And we just whine and cry because we're not happy anymore. Not that my kids did that. They're perfect kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> Too often we seek joy as relief from burden, which is why people read Simeon as wow, I can finally be done. I've seen my Savior. We think joy is just relief from burden. We think of joy as just something temporary, as just something that will put a smile on our face or something that will give me immediate gratification. But that's not what Christ came to do, did he? He came to change our lives completely. And one day, yes, that will occur. Right? One day our lives will be nothing but joy. But while we're here on earth, we need to be reminded of that. And so think about what the shepherds did. 
right? Joy has a source, and that source for the shepherds was what? The good news that Jesus had been born for them. So what did they do? They sat there, and they went back to sleep because it was four in the morning, right? Oh, what did they do? Think back to the Christmas nativity plays. Yeah, they went and they saw the Savior, right? And that's what we gathered here today for. That's what we ga- we'll gather at 5 o'clock, not 7.30, tomorrow night for, and what we gather for every Sunday. And every time we open God's Word for personal devotion or prayer, we see our Savior, and our lives are again filled with joy. But did they stop there? Did Simeon and Anna just stop at seeing the Savior? No. Their lives were changed, right? And so what did they do? They went out and told everybody about it. Now, for the shepherds, they looked like crazy folk, right? Because it's four in the morning, and a bunch of guys are stumbling down the streets, babbling on about something. What do you do when you hear some guy stumbling down the street at 4 a.m. in the morning? Pull the covers a little tighter, grab your cell phone, make sure the door is locked, right? No. No, when we have Christ's joy in our lives, yeah, we look crazy to the rest of the world. But it's not craziness that we're filled with, it's joy. Joy that our Savior has been born for us. And so when you tell others, though, about that joy in Christ, guess what they get to have? Joy! Because they now have heard about the Savior who has been born for them. You see, Christian joy is a profound understanding of the faith and hope that we have in the power of Jesus' own life and love. Christian joy. Not temporary joy, not earthly joy, not joy that is gone quickly and faded away. Joy that is everlasting is grounded in the one who is everlasting the one who is full of faith and hope and love for us. And so our lives are forever changed by his joy. And so may our Christmas celebration, which continues on today and all the way until January 5th, right? And each and every single day, may our Christmas be filled with joy that we receive from Christ. May our lives be changed by the hope and faith we have in Christ And may we go out from here sharing the joy of Christ's life and love with everybody that we meet. In his holy name we pray. Amen.